Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. The nonprofit space is completely different from organizations in the more familiar rough and tumble world of for-profit. Nonprofits are typically driven by a philanthropic vision and are required to spend wisely the funds that are entrusted to them. However, like all organizations, nonprofits need a defined strategy calibrated to its overall mission. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, where I try to find the most interesting people doing the most fascinating work right here in the greater Sarasota area. I started this podcast because I wanted to meet new people, and then I thought, why not share what we talk about with folks just like you? I also believe if you really want to understand the community you live in and appreciate all it has to offer, then listening to each other's stories is an absolute must. So every Tuesday and Thursday, you'll hear from artists and authors, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and many others share who they are, how they got into their line of work, and what they're excited about right now. I'm very pleased to have on our show today, Michael Corley, founder and CEO of The Corley Company. The Corley Company specializes in helping nonprofit boards think boldly, make decisions, and take action. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Michael, how serving others led to his strategic expertise in nonprofit space, success stories Michael was able to facilitate, who should reach out to Michael, and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today. It's my hope that you will listen, that you'll learn, but most importantly, connect. Michael Corley, founder and CEO of The Corley Company. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Hey, Bob. Thank you. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, one of the things I always try to reach out to are organizations that are, are involved in the nonprofit excuse me, the nonprofit area, and you do a lot of consulting in that arena. And so I'm interested to find out more about it. I mean, Sarasota is such a big town in the philanthropy area. And of course you have, you know, tons of nonprofits. So this is a very uh, applicable episode for us to get into. And so I'm glad to have you on. But one of the things I always start off with is for, excuse me, for all my guests is to ask them, what is one thing that most people don't know about Michael? Well, when I turned 50, which has been a few years ago now, I wrote a bucket list. And on that bucket list was I wanted to become an Ironman, do an Ironman triathlon. And 18 months later, in uh, Ironman Texas, I crossed that finish line. 
and never to run another, never do another triathlon again. But I got it done. Impressive. So, so what's so what was the length of it? Give us some scale here. Well, it's a you start off with a two point two mile swim, and then a hundred twelve mile bike ride, and then uh, you run a marathon, twenty six point two miles. Oh man! In the heat of Texas. Oh my goodness! You didn't do it like in January or something like that. It, it was it was in April. I think the weather it started off beautiful, but you know. I'm so much slower than the professionals. They were long done before the heat hit, and it was just starting for me when I got on that run. Many, many years ago, I just did a simple 10K, and I, I decided I was never going to do that. So I'm, I'm much more hitting the gym where it's air-conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both nowadays. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. Good for you. Well, so let's talk about uh, your background before we actually get into your company and the services that you provide in the nonprofit area. Give us some broad strokes. You know, where'd you grow up in your formative years? How'd you end up in Sarasota? And, uh, you know, kind of professionally, what did you do for a good chunk of your career? Sure. So I lived in New Orleans till about 10th grade and then moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And then, so I went to University of Tennessee for undergrad. And my first job out of school, you know, you're interviewing. And that was back in the day where you just took whatever job and wherever they were going to move you to. So I had, was blessed to be, start off in the pharmaceutical industry and I remember getting the call, the job offer, and they said, you're going to Sarasota, Florida. And I was like, all right, and had to go get, well, you weren't looking on the internet back then. Somewhere I had right. to find out where in the world was Sarasota, Florida. So it, it brought me down here uh, back in the, the late 80s. And then in the mid 90s, we moved back to Nashville uh, since I had met my wife. It was in healthcare for a number of years in Nashville area. And then just very fortunate, fortunately unfortunate, I'd lost two jobs in healthcare. It was during the dot-com bust. Oh, wow. And um, a buddy of mine down here had started a, a professional employer organization, a PEO, yep. outsourced HR, and said, hey, um, you probably don't remember, but when you were in grad school, you had me review some paper I wrote. And uh, he said, you're an operator. I'm an entrepreneur, so why don't you come down and, and we'll work you into running the company. And so we packed up bags, moved back down in 2003, and been here since then. Isn't it a lovely town? Oh, we absolutely love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So, and we love Nashville, but um, this is special. Kids raised here and the weather, I mean, everybody complains about how hot it is, but, you know, in the summers when I'm hearing how hot it is up there, I'm thinking now we're, we're in much better shape. It, it, it's interesting. Uh, as most of my listeners know, I've been coming down here for 40 years, originally from the Cincinnati area and came down in 2015. So I've really seen the explosion of population, you know, over the last last, last 40 years, really, but... I felt like it was really the Ritz-Carlton that kind of put us on the map. But but now, of course, you know, you're having this this another uh, huge explosion of population coming down here. So I think Sarasota has really been discovered. And that's can be that's a good thing and a bad thing, too, because we kind of like the smallness of the town. But uh, with with all the big city amenities. But now it's really starting to kind of spread out a lot more. And so we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think twice about driving into Sarasota now because of the traffic. Well, I, I also, and I, I can't resist the uh, temptation because if my listeners were to see right now, you have a, a Tennessee shirt on right now. And uh, Tennessee and, and and both Michael and I are huge uh, uh, college football fans. And so Tennessee just beat Alabama for the first time in how long? 
Oh, it had been, uh, it was 15 years in a row they had beaten us, so 16 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a big Ohio State fan, and so we beat, I think, Michigan nine years in a row, and then they got us last year. So so we, we love those streaks, but uh, sorry for getting us off task here. So let's come, let's come back to business. Hey, I'm happy to talk about Tennessee football right now anyway. I don't know when this podcast airs. I may be a different story, but I'm happy yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. Well, so how did you get in the nonprofit space? Well, you know, it's it it really interesting. So during the recession, um, I lost my position. I was president of that PEO, a majority shareholder wanted to run the company, you know, typical uh, area, typical downsizing type of thing. And I was introduced to Deborah Jacobs at the Patterson Foundation. And I, at that time, I had really limited understanding of nonprofits other than having served on boards. Hmm. And she had... She educated me on what foundations were and asked if I would come lead uh, one of the initiatives. She was hiring consultants to do initiatives, and I thought, sure, why not? Um, Candidly, I had nothing else to do. I was out of work, right? Uh, Right. But since that time over the last 12 years, I've just become completely interested and fascinated and immersed in the nonprofit world, both from a foundation perspective, you know, the people, quote unquote, with the money, and then also operationally at the nonprofit level, those agencies that are doing so much good in our community. And so I've had various consulting assignments. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll talk about those and opportunities to work with boards of all flavors and just absolutely just, just love it because I love, Bob, I love the mission. These people are so entrenched and, and passionate about their mission that how can you not want to help them? And so that's what really fascinates you about that. Uh, about nonprofits then? It, re- it really does. I mean, the operating model, you know, and I've ta- spoken to this uh, a number of times, it's a difficult operating model. And I would argue it could even be more difficult than running a for-profit entity, which we may may get into. But I just love the passion when you work. In fact, I just got off the phone with somebody, a board member who called me a chair and was asking questions. And she's so passionate about that organization that you just you just want to help. I mean, you just want to you, you latch on to that passion. And if I can help somebody do good, then it's very rewarding. Now, is it a a common misconception, or is it true that you work with more volunteers and nonprofit? Well, I think it's probably a misconception, at least at my level. Now, really? there are organizations that are primarily volunteer or heavy volunteer driven, and that's yeah. you know that's an operating model in and of itself. But most of them are, are you know uh, compensated staff. Well, well, share with us some of the dynamics that you see that are different between for-profit and not-for-profit. And I'm talking about internally with, you know, how they're structured and kind of the, the relationships that you build with your mission and, and, and employees, et cetera. Yeah, I think, you know, when you start at the top and in the nonprofit sector, the board of directors has a very significant role in the, in the private uh, for-profit sector, you may not even have a board of directors. So it, it's that governance model that's so critical for nonprofits that helps drive the organization. I would also say, and maybe in simple terms, if I'm a for-profit entity, I can really pick and choose who I want to work with from a customer perspective, right? It's all about making that that dollar. Yes, you want to do good and, and you've got these other things, but at the end of the day, it's that it's the profit, it's the bottom line. The priorities non- are different, yeah. They certainly are. And then in a nonprofit, you really don't pick and choose who you want to work with. For example, if I work with homeless people, do I pick, I'm going to work with that homeless person and not that homeless person? So you've got a broader umbrella, which means that you've got those that are more difficult to service. Uh, and certainly if you're trying to instigate social change versus for-profit, you know, making money, that that's a whole nother level of, of challenge because you may not be able to make money doing it. And so that, that's the reason you get into fundraising and things like that. So how long have you been in this space? 
I started in about 12 years ago. It, it right. kind of tiptoed into it with the engagement with the Patterson Foundation, working with Deborah, and then just over time being exposed to any number of other organizations. So heavy in the last, you know, probably 10 years. Yeah, but, but you use the term nonprofit, and there's a lot of different nonprofits because there are foundations. You know, the Chamber of Commerce is a nonprofit. Um, there are social clubs all around this area that are nonprofit. C50C3, you know, C7s, I think they are. And um, so those are those are all nonprofits. So, so I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on the difference between that? I mean, because because you know, for example, a social club, their mission is you know to, to make sure that mm -hmm. their uh, guests that their members have fun. Sure. So, so so how would you just give a perspective on that as how you'd work those different companies? Well, I think you know it's just it goes back to what you just said. The mission, and if the mission's social, the mission is social. If the mission is to address homelessness, let's address homelessness. If your mission is to you know, do good in this manner, that's what your mission is. So I think that's really important for a nonprofit, no matter what area in the nonprofit spectrum, they've got a firm understanding of their mission and the reason for existence, and 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 most do. Uh, you know, and then to op then the governance structure may be a little different. For example, the Sarasota Chamber, of which you, you and I both are very familiar with, has an extremely large board. Well, that fits their needs, and so that's unique to them. Where if you have another, if you think of healthy teens, whom I've worked with, and Jonathan hit folks over there, and Marianne, they've got a small board, four, because right. it's a little smaller entity. So, you, you know, you, you structure yourself to, to meet the needs of the, of the mission and the, the really, the... Um, the size of the organization. So give us some, I guess, broad strokes of the services that you provide, how you come in, you work with the board. Do you only work with the board? Do you work with the management team or do you work with frontline employees? But give us some broad strokes of how you work with organizations. Yeah, my, my interest and my level really is primarily working with the board. I do have some consulting assignments of long-term clients that are more operational in nature. But over the last couple of years, really trying to refine and hone my skills on working with boards of directors from either agency perspective or at the foundation level perspective. And oftentimes I'm brought in to do something as I think it's simple, but a lot of fun as a board retreat. The organization wants to strengthen the team, the board. They want to do an offsite and they want to spend a few hours together. They want to address very specific strategic issues and or they want to have some very challenging discussions. And it, you and I both know it's easier to bring a facilitator in sure. to handle those discussions. And it is for, and often the case, the CEO executive director to have that discussion with his or her bosses that are sitting around the table. Right. So I do quite a few board retreats. And within that, we'll do uh, governance, uh, operating models, just how to better support and structure the organization. So, so in the organizations you've worked with, do you take them through discovering what their mission, their vision, their values, goals, objectives, strategies, that type of thing? Or do they have those in place and you help them refine it? That, Bob, that's a really good question. So for those organizations, I'll do strategic planning for, which I didn't just mention. So thank you for saying that. We will. If they don't have those in place, we will take them through an exercise of exactly what you just said. So think standard strategic planning and it's a firm up that the vision the mission the values which i think are really really important for both for-profit and non-profit entities and then goals objectives that uh, so we'll go through that exercise absolutely and oftentimes it may be a couple years into a strategic plan and they want to do a strategy refresh really a gut check where are we where do we need to go what's changed what needs to happen so we'll lead them through that exercise as well so take us into the room 
where you're with the board, what happens, I guess, before you get into, do you meet with them one-on-one? Do you, I assume you read, you know, review the corporate documents to see where they've been so that you have all your tools that you need to sit down, ask interesting, you know, ask the questions that need to be asked. I mean, kind of take us through the steps there of how you begin the process and, and what it looks like once you sit down with the different individuals. Well, the, the key is that like in anything is in the preparation. So it's everything you just said, yes, we will do. Depending on the scope of the engagement, we may or may not meet with board members individually prior to, for example, a board retreat. We will spend, I will spend quite a bit of time with the CEO and the board chair. And honestly, it's probably two or three meetings of what are your objectives and me forcing the clarification of the objectives. Why do you want to have a retreat? What are the three outcomes you want to have? And then we will build and structure the day, if you will, in this case, around achieving those uh, objectives. But that's really the hardest, not the hardest, most granular level and most important thing is what are the objectives of our time together? Because the way I look at it is you look around the rooms, let's just say you got 15 board members, most of them have jobs. This is a really expensive meeting. Sure it is. Sure and so is. you you want to be you know fiscally responsible, but also you want them to walk out of there energized and engaged about the organization. Do you have any follow-up afterwards? And the reason I say this is because strategic planning I've been through in a previous business life is it's people get excited. They go through the strategic planning process. You walk out with the mission, vision, et cetera. But the culture of the organization sometimes does not lend itself to making those changes, kind of the behavioral changes. And so now mine is from the for-profit industry. And so unless people were paid to change, you know, it, it really, it's, it's very difficult to make, make that, uh, that transition. Well, well, it is. And so it's important that any strategic document or strategic follow-up be very simple, simple, simple. So when we do strategic planning, it's not this 40, 50 page document. Literally the, one of the last ones we did was on one page. It, you know, goals, objectives, here you go. And then they were going to go out and build the action plan. So very simple. Okay. And, and I for, you know, I'm always trying to challenge people. Can you memorize it? Can you memorize the mission? Can you memorize the vision? Can you memorize your values? Because if right. you can't, then you really don't. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to get people to think about those on a regular basis and, and for you to follow up. I also talked to him quite a bit about what's going to be your follow-up after after Michael Corley leaves. Right. What, do you, what are you going to do? Now, we'll right. offer that. We'll do some follow-up. Some uh, ask us about that. Uh, others don't. Most don't. They'll say, oh, we've got it. And so I will periodically ping them to see how things are going because I want to make sure they're continuing to progress. And, you know, strategic planning in this day and age is really different. Back in the day, we could do three, five years, and it was great. But the world changes so much now that I really i am trying to shorten Board members, CEOs' perspective, at least in the nonprofit space, on strategic planning. Let's look no more than three years. Let's be very conscientious about what's going to happen after a year. And then you know what? You're probably going to want to do a refresh in a year anyway because the world changes. That blows me away because I have come across in various readings down through the years about Japan having a 250-year you know, strategic plan or China having a 100-year plan and whatnot. And I would like to see what those are because the world does change so fast. To me, that's, I, I, I frankly, I don't believe it. And so to me, I couldn't agree more. You have to be much more narrowly focused, not narrowly, but you have to be, I think, more realistic about the 
speed of change in this world and to get organization to plan for that. So, so once you get that document done and you've had that consultation, you've had that leading the board through the process, then it, then do you bow out and, and then it's up to them to implement all the changes that you agreed upon? Yeah, that's right. So we don't get into the operational aspect of, of, or the implementation of the strategic plan. We will help build out action plans, but then we will step away because really, really, they have to own it. Right. This isn't a consultant. And, I, you know, you see this so many times where organizations bring in consultants to to literally build the strategic Absolutely. plan. I facilitate the strategic plan. I don't build it. And so I as we go through, it's about creating buy in from the board members, from the volunteers, from advocates in, in the city, any of the stakeholders to allow that CEO who will then implement and drive the, the organization forward. Are there certain size organizations that you prefer to work with? Or does it really matter? I've done everything from all volunteer to larger. I find my sweet spots a little bit on the larger side, just probably because of my experience running a a larger organization a number of years ago. And they've got the resources to do it. So it's fun to have those strategic discussions when they know they can implement something. You know, they can think a little bit bigger. Smaller organizations, more challenging just because they don't have as many resources. And so I, I prefer a little bit larger. Share with our listeners some of your more favorite case stories, for lack of a better term. I mean, you don't have to mention names and whatnot, but I mean, obviously there are things that are very, you know, enriching for you and gratifying to you when you take a board, individuals through the planning process, and then maybe you come back six months, a year later, and you can see the, the fruits of your labor and, and you, the part that you played in helping them make those changes. Well, there's, a, there's an organization on the other coast uh, of Florida that I work with and have for a number of years. So I've done three strategic plans with them, for them, if you will. And so I've been able to stick with them through that, which will be a nine-year period. And it's oh, been wow. absolutely fascinating to see where they were way back, you know, nine years ago, if you will, when sure, they were relatively yeah, yeah. a startup, and what their, where their conversations were and what their visions were visions was uh, going into the most recent, which was a year ago when we updated and just what they've been able to do in their and the impact in their community has been extremely rewarding. And the board members have stayed relatively the same the, this entire time. So I've developed right. relationships with them, sure. which, which is nice. And then to hear them say, after the last time, wow, that was the best strategic planning we've ever had. I'm going, well, because I did the last two, but, uh, you know, but, but wow, we've got something out of, we've got the direction and we, we've got metrics now to follow uh, the impact we want to make. And, and is that typical that a, organization will bring you back X amount of years down the road to do a refresher? It, it, it's interesting. So I started doing strategic planning about three or four years ago, kind of as a one-off other than this, this one organization. And so I'm now starting to hear back from people, you know, organizations after three years that, right. hey, come in and let's do that again. Let's do a modified version of them. Let's do a refresh. What I would like to do is evolve it to where it's a little bit more frequently that, that's become part of the, okay, if we're going to do a strategic plan or retreat, then let's come back in a year to do a refresh. Let's continue to, to help drive and grow that organization. Well, I'm a big believer in these types of services because what happens is when you're within an organization, you, you, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can become very myopic. And particularly if there's, and, and, and you know, we're dealing with humans, so there's t- typically sacred cows and whatnot that we all want to, to uh, protect. But um, so when you, you take them through this process, 
what are some of the interpersonal issues that you run into and, and how do you deal with them? Because some folks love consultants, some people hate consultants. And, uh, you know, how do you navigate that? Because there's there's the science and there's the art of what you do. Well, you know, it's it, I go in with the mindset, it's not about me. It's about the objectives we want to sure. achieve. I've usually been debriefed on the people who are going to be in the room. If, and if there are any, you know, personality challenges that will be forthcoming. I, I approach every engagement from... This is a joyous event. You know, this is this is upbeat. We want to be positive, so that helps, of course, the people that are in the room. And the reality is, sometimes there are people that are a little more challenging. And so, as a facilitator, you just work with that, you deal with it. And you know, there's some techniques and some practices to, to get those people to, to to be respectful, if you will. But I haven't found that overly overly problematic because I start off every session with mission. We're focusing on the mission. Always go back to the mission. Why, why are you here? You're not here to hear Michael Corley. You're not here really to serve the executive director, point. maybe. But mission, you're here for a greater good. There's a reason you joined this board. There's a reason you want to make some type of impact. So all of our discussions today are about furthering that mission. You, you know, it's interesting. Back, I think it was in episode 74, I had Sandra Frank <laughs> from All Faith Food Banks on. And she talked about the strategic process that they went through where they started to move from just being a food bank to working into becoming more preventative, helping families that are maybe on the edge there to prevent them from kind of, you know, you know, falling over the cliff there where they really needed the food bank and doing preventative stuff. Are those the types of issues that might come up in the consult consultation that you do? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I listened to that episode and it was fantastic. And she's just a super, super yes, leader in what, yes, what that organization has done. But it took years to get to that point, right? Somebody started that from a heart of gold. We want to help X. We want to help puppies. In this case, we want to help food, people with hunger. And so typically what you do, you start off by providing that immediate service. Well, as organizations mature, and I've seen this a number of times, the challenge goes, okay, if, if we're I don't know, providing showers to homeless people. Well, how, how do we eradicate homeless? How do we how do we move right. up that chain? And it really takes a mature organization and probably a, a a broader organization to even be in a position to have those types of discussions. Because when we're talking about creating a social challenge, you know, fixing a social challenge, that is really really diff difficult because there are so many systemic issues which cause that. And sure. so kudos to Sandra for what she's doing, and they're moving up that food, food chain. They're in a position to do it. They're big enough, they're smart enough, they got the resources, and they've got the credibility to do it. So where are you taking the Corley Company? Well, I just launched the podcast. That's how you and I met, the yeah. I-501-CU. And really, that was just a, I, I call it a labor of love. And it was from doing a number of board retreats over the last couple of years, right. where board members really didn't understand roles, responsibilities, and opportunities. Not because they didn't care, but because there just wasn't a resource for it. And so I said, gosh, if we can somehow educate people to be better board members, to be stronger board members, understand their role better, organizations will have more impact. They'll be able to support the CEO, executive director, and provide more impact. So I'm, I'm move, I am love working with nonprofit boards at the foundation agency right. level. I've always thought everything falls on leadership. So 
It's how do we strengthen boards? Everything we're going to do going forward is strengthening a board of directors, which also strengthens the leadership team of the nonprofit. So you're pretty much uh, based right here in Sarasota. I mean, do you do, uh, are you going to move outside of Florida or international or yeah, no, just whatever yeah, comes your way? Huh? Yeah, well, yeah, as long as I don't have to travel, because travel's no fun anymore. Uh, I, I, uh, primarily Florida, certainly in Sarasota, Manatee County. I've got a number of clients here, and as I referenced earlier, on the other side of Florida. And I do have a client out of D.C. They, they just worked out that way. So th- there's enough here. Um, I would love to work with uh, nonprofit foundation organizations in the state of Florida. I just love the state. I think we've got so much to offer. There's so much opportunity. I understand sure the state, and uh, that would be my, my my ideal. But, you know, you never turn away business if there's opportunities outside the state. So, so if someone is working for a nonprofit right now and they're saying, you know, I think we really should bring Michael in, who should contact you if they're interested in your services? CEO, executive directors, typically who will contact me. Sometimes it's the board chair, but it's certainly, you know, it's at that level because we're talking, they've got a strategic need, whether it's strategic planning, they've got a strategic issue, they want something facilitated, and or they've got a governance issue. So that's who would reach out to me. Well, people, if you want to reach Michael, he can be reached at the Corley Company, and that's C-O-R-L-E-Y, the Corley Company, and have a very nice website there. Uh, let's see, what's your contact? 941-500-9123, and you can uh, inquire via email right there. There's also some wonderful testimonials I see there. Uh, Dennis Murphy, CEO of Gulfside Bank. Uh, Deborah Jacobs of the Patterson Foundation. Of course, Heather Cass is one of my all-time favorite people. She's yeah. CEO of the Greater Sarasota Chamber of Commerce. So if you want to reach out to Michael, you can reach him there. Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we say goodbye? Uh, other than this, Bob, and I'm a big believer for anybody out there who's listening that is in the business world, and you don't have to be in the business world, I think the best leadership opportunity is serving on a nonprofit board of directors. I Great would point. encourage you, encourage you to go volunteer time, to be a board member from a leadership perspective. And I used to do leadership development training. It is the best leadership development training you can experience. That's a great point. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And to all my listeners, once again, thank you for tuning in. And Michael, I'd be excited to see where you take this, uh, this company of yours. Bob, thank you very much. I, I really enjoy your podcast, and this has just been a, a treat for me to, to speak with you. Thank you. That's great. That's great. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.